0: Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. So this is the history of forged money with Grant Erickson
1: and Miller Bice. Today, Grant will be talking about the history of forged money, and I'll be talking about a personal story in my family about our experience with money forgery.
0: Alrighty. So, let's start this, let's take it all the way back to the creation of actual currency, which happened around 600-ish B.C. in Lydia. Um, Now, obviously, back then they were not using paper money, it was all coins, precious metals, silvers, gold, things like that. And, God, from even very early on, forging was, I wouldn't say easy, necessarily, because of the means of processing the coins, but it wasn't too difficult if you knew what you were doing. And because these coins were made out of such precious metals, people could shave the edges of the coins off, just make it a little bit smaller and keep whatever extra precious metal was left. That's actually why, if you look at a quarter or a dime, because before 1964, those coins were minted with like 95% silver. Now they have all like the ribs on the edges, so people couldn't shave off the edges and keep the silver.
1: Even back in England, when they were still printing coins, it was all by hand. Mm-hmm. So all you had to do was just get your hands mm-hmm. on one of the actual objects that they used to imprint the coins, and people would melt down the coins, make them a little bit thinner, and hammer out just hundreds more. Oh, yeah. And um, even, uh, let's go back to America, because back
0: when, in late 1800s when the West was still kind of being explored right after the Civil War and America wasn't fully unified. There were all of these different currencies because at that time, money was printed by banks in some states, in some instances. You could have handed somebody monopoly money and told them, oh, this is from the bank down the street. And they really just wouldn't know the difference. So Mm -hmm. back then, forging was rampant in the West because you didn't even need to actually exactly copy anything. Now, obviously, this has changed quite a lot in recent years
1: we've standardized our money in every possible way.
0: Now, um, one particular person I want to talk about is Arthur Williams Jr., who, between I think 1990 and the very early 2000s, forged over $10 million in $100 bills and was widely considered by even the U.S. government to be the best single-person forger of all time. Mm-hmm. He he mastered the old-style $100 bills, which were before 2013 when they brought in that little blue strip. But um, he was just a very... He was a somewhat normal person. He grew up in Chicago, and he was mentored by a guy he called Da Vinci, who kind of showed him the way around it, and he just kind of made it his life goal to make the best $100 bills there were. I mean, he succeeded. Do you know how he made them? Like, did he have a printing press, or did you just paint them? So, the biggest thing, because the the government puts so much money into making currency so hard to counterfeit nowadays, you need incredibly special presses, you need because paper money is not actually just normal paper, it's Mm -hmm. like 90% cotton, something around there, and it's got all these little fibers woven in it, they've got the watermarks, they've got security strips, they've got all sorts of stuff. They have the little ink In the bottom right on like a hundred dollar bill that changes colors as you kind of move it through the light
1: and they've also i've got so many little hidden details now oh yeah like the owls Mm -hmm. on the five dollar bills or might be the hundreds i don't know what you're talking about
0: (laughs) there are watermarks of all the presidents on them throughout and security strips and all that but the actual print of the money is not like you couldn't use a normal printer to do that you need to actually press the ink into the paper so you can get the super super fine details and it took them a very long time to actually acquire the right paper. Because another really big thing, all paper, if you write on it with a one of those little counterfeit checker markers, if it turns brown, it's fake, but if it stays yellow, it's real. That is honestly the hardest thing because obviously paper com- well actually paper companies making this cotton paper have to abide by some standards because of the possibility of counterfeiting. Once you hit a certain cotton percentage of the exact same as paper, you have to have the chemicals that make the markers turn brown. So apparently the the biggest hurdle for him was just finding that paper.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess at that point, is it just how much you can make at one time? Because if it is just like pressing the ink in, mm-hmm. like, is there a way to mass produce it?
0: I guess to a certain extent, but the bigger problem is, what do you like? Once you have it all, you can't suddenly become a millionaire overnight. Like the IRS and everyone's gonna ask questions about that. Mm-hmm. So, it was less of him spending the money; it was more him making bulk amounts and then selling his money to the cartel, mafia people like that for slightly reduced prices. So he'll make a hundred thousand dollars face value of the bills but then sell them to i don't know cartel for thirty thousand. where i guess i won't i wouldn't say it makes him less at risk but (laughs) it It kind of it
1: softens the blow just a little bit
0: a a little bit
1: it kind of takes him out of the direct out of the direct line of fire yes let's move away from singular people and i want to talk more about governments forging other countries money okay so I didn't look much into this, but I do know that there is a room in North Korea that is solely bent on forging American currency, room 66.
0: I think you might be right with that. I do know that, I think it was uh, late, no, it might have been early 2000s, that (laughs) North Korea, in sort of an attempt to cripple the U.S. economy, they just acquired all of the resources with their, um, I mean, they also had a free labor source. But they acquired the right presses, the right inks, the right papers, and I mean, made some of the stuff in their own country, and then they started printing hundred-dollar bills that were so perfect. The only issues, if if there were any, were the fact that they were legitimately too perfect. Because on the back of a hundred-dollar bill, it's Independence Hall, and the actual clock, the hands on the clock, reach above the uh, edges on an actual hundred-dollar bill. But in North Korea, they took the artistic liberty of sort of bringing them back a little and making it more realistic. But aside from that, there's nothing wrong with them. So the only flaws were the fact that they were actually too perfect. And these things are actually still, they're in circulation. People are found People a bunch. still use them? How do you know? I mean,
1: I mean that's true. Is there, like If you just honestly can't tell the difference at all, there's no way of knowing.
0: Exactly. And that's what these things are called super dollars. But they're they're too perfect. They're still out there in circulation. And people actually, they're sort of a collector's item now.
1: So Legitimately, you, you yeah. Like a $100 bill that...
0: The like, fake $100 bill, I think, is actually more worth than more than $100. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, if we're speaking about sort of a country's printing fake money, I know in World War II, Germany had a plan to I mint... Mean, I got millions and millions of British pounds and just
1: literally like. Just drop them down?
0: <laughs> yeah, like drop bombs of money in London and stuff just to cripple their economy. Which, I mean, typically when you go to war with somebody, you don't think about giving their civilians millions of dollars,
1: but mm-hmm. it's, it's a very interesting thought. And England did the same thing to Germany. Really? Although their money wasn't as good. Because, I mean, they got all the right. Uh, cotton, but they didn't get the right chemicals to put on it. Ah. So when they finally spent like two years mass producing it, they dropped millions upon millions of dollars. But right away the Germans knew that if you just put them under blue light it would show its the wrong dollar. So they did almost nothing. And it almost even bankrupt the um, apartment that it was kind of funded by. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I've also, I've heard rumors, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard rumors that China is also attempting to create uh, American dollars. Hmm. But, I mean, like I said, if it was a lot like the uh Oh yeah, the that's North the Korean thing, dollars, like if you, like, you can't tell if the they difference. do it well
0: enough, there is no yeah. way to know until, uh, until millions in circulation.
1: Yeah. I could also explain why North Korea still has like, money moving in and out. Oh yeah. Like, especially in the... There's, there's
0: no way they stopped it, come on. <laughs> But um, uh, going back to Germany, I think it was was Operation Bernhard. That was was the name of that one. Um, And actually, they did do it. It wasn't just a plan. They forged. They had all the money forged.
1: They just didn't actually drop it. So they just had it all sitting there? Yeah, they had it all sitting around. Well, moving on from the historical aspect, I'd like to touch on this one point that I had a few years back. And I was sitting at Thanksgiving and talking to one of my great-uncles. And just casually we were talking about money forgery which is kind of a weird topic to be on at Thanksgiving (laughs) but he told me this story about his friend one time who he never gave me his last name he just said his name was Jim and he kind of had an interesting story so he started out by making his own hundred dollar bills in the 1960s and it started out like relatively small he made a few hundred dollar bills but then Ended up getting caught by using him at a gas station, trying to break him down into 20s. So he spent three months in jail in uh, Montgomery. But once he got out, he went back and just looked over what all he did wrong. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he wasn't smart enough to make a perfect $100 bill. So he decided to drop down to whatever he could that was just like, I'd say the least regularized bill that still had some value so like not a dollar like uh, less like like it would still have value but it's a lot harder to prove that it's a fake okay like something people would just check less in general mm-hmm. okay and he decided on a ten dollar bill
0: huh.
1: and over the next ten years he made a few here or there but then one day he realized that i mean why not just go for it like he got laid off from his job he had lost all of his life savings gambling. <laughs> so he, first of all, he wasn't really the smartest guy. <laughs> Figures. But, yeah. but he started making a few more 10 dollar bills. He printed almost 30,000 10 dollar bills huh. that he would then put into the bank and then every month he would take it out in 100 dollar bills. So for the longest time no one could prove that he was doing anything wrong because while he was unemployed, he was living out in the middle of nowhere right outside of Montgomery. So no one really knew what he was doing. And it wasn't until the Montgomery police decided to look into him, not because of money forgery, but because they thought he was either pushing drugs or making moonshine. So finally, after about two months of investigating him, they got a warrant and just raided his house. And in his basement, they found the press, along with maybe $10,000 with $100 bills that he'd taken out of the bank and i mean he spent the next 5 years of his life in jail but it's just it's crazy how well he did
0: something i kind of wonder about like the smaller the bill the less likely people are to check it for mm-hmm. authenticity so i kind of almost wonder how many other people have, have done tried this cuz you only hear about forgers making 100 dollar bills or 50 dollar bills or maybe some 20s in there but i like no one in their right mind really checks a $10 bill for legitimacy. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many people out there have
1: forged them before. (laughs) No one really knows. And with us going off the gold standard too, like even our own banks don't know how much money we have in circulation. Mm -hmm. So there's no way of checking if we have more or less than we think we have. So I mean there could be millions of dollars of just fake currency floating around that we just don't even realize. Mm -hmm
0: the government put an estimate out that about .0, 0 it's either 0. .02 or 0. .002% of all currency out there is fake. <laughs> but, I mean...
1: At the say, same time, like, how would you know?
0: Well, look, the thing I kind of thought about, the actual best forger ever, we don't know who he is. He never got caught. Exactly. <laughs> the people we're talking <laughs> about are like, oh, they're the greatest. Well, they're not. They got caught. Yeah, <laughs> there's like, people out there. I'm sure there's people out there that have done enough stopped when
1: they needed to stop and then no one ever knew it was them And mm-hmm. i mean if it's that great then there's no reason for them to be talk. oh
0: yeah i mean it, it is a lucrative business it's That's literally true. printing yeah. money <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on a somewhat different note another really interesting piece about a forged currency I, i'm sure you know there are plenty of old coins out there that are worth quite a lot of money and people can people at least try to just print off these old quote unquote old coins and things and sell them for a premium because you
1: get a penny worth five thousand dollars
0: it's a a pretty big return on investment yeah
1: um is it like just older pennies that are selling for more or is it like specific pennies that were like made a certain way
0: well, it's not necessarily how they're made, it's just old pennies with specific mint marks and things like that, that are just very low mintage. They're like collector's coins, like not actual currency. Mm-hmm. Um, such as like 1925D, Penny, those are counterfeited a lot. This is all by uh, NCG, by the way, which is one of the main coin grading companies out there. Just some of their information. Um the single most commonly counterfeited U.S. coin is the 1909 SVDB Lincoln Wheat Penny. Um, they claim that it is the single most counterfeited U.S. coin even though it's a penny. <laughs> but it's just because it's such a collector's item that they sell for thousands.
1: This concludes our podcast for today. Mm-hmm. If you've Listened all the way to the end. Thank you. And hope you enjoy.
0: All right. Thank you very much. See you guys next time.
1: Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist
0: Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School,
1: Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.